Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is businessman and technologist, Jim Couples. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Patty. Good morning. So I want to tell a little backstory. Uh, we've kind of crossed paths in different ways. Uh, we have a lot of mutual friends uh, in the political world locally. Uh, you've started coming into the barber shop, getting your hair cut every, you know, once a month, which I appreciate your business. And I love our chats. I've, I'm learning a lot from you. And I want to give credit when we booked this uh, episode, this interview, it, it makes me look like I do so much due diligence, but I asked you for some information, like a quick little bio, and you sent me so much thorough stuff on what it is that you do. And I knew some, but I've learned more, and I'm so glad we're doing this interview because you have a lot to talk about, a lot of cool stuff that you're involved with. But again, I, it's like you did all the legwork for me, and it makes my life easy, and I appreciate it. Oh, that's, hey, very welcome. And I spend a lot of my days emailing people. I'm a pretty quick typist. Um, so maybe that's helped my my skills and, and putting together a thorough email. Uh, hey, thank you. And for it's the just, compliment. It's just funny because help. people, you know, podcasts are fun because they can be very simple. People are like, what kind of questions do you write? You know, how many questions do you have? And a lot of times I don't. I, I have like maybe five or six words. And then sometimes I have talking points and I have conversation pieces and, and different things and different strategies to go at different guests. But sometimes I don't know a lot. And then you as the audience gets to literally witness me learning about that person. And then other times there's there's a big body of work. And so it's a little bit easier to share some some news clips and some some online uh uh, you know, stories that have been written about you or whatnot. But yeah, so this one, you gave me a lot to work with. So let's get into it. Let's talk about uh, who Jim Couples is. Uh, like I had said, you're a businessman and technologist. You had used the word technologist. I wasn't, I had, not that you uh, coined the phrase, I'm sure it existed, but I had never really heard that being used. Explain to me what a technologist is. Well, in one sense, we're all technologists, right? Ever since uh, someone was using fire or the wheel, <laughs> right? Like technologies in so many different forms. Uh, but in the specific sense where I think we use it in today's day and age, it's usually someone that is working with um, tech businesses under that broad umbrella, you know, often involving uh, software or hardware, you know, I mean, like, right. Like I was just kind of saying it glibly earlier, as far as everything's technology in this, it is, but in this specific sense, it's usually people that are working on, uh, yeah, software, hardware, 
uh, internet related uh, ventures and jobs and things. And if I also might make one other distinction is I like to use the term business person and I am not hung up on those types of things. Um, and I, I, if I mislabeled myself, I forgive me, but I hope I use the term. I try to be conscious of saying business person for myself. And the only reason I'm so aware of uh, those types of um, of labels is because of my work with Run for Office, and I would have to kind of like reinterpret, or I would have to break down steps to get on the ballot. And there would often be, and I am not you know a warrior in this sense, but I would see language that was old and kind of gendered towards men. And I would I, I had great joy in destroying that. And I would use things like congressperson, business person. Right. So I don't know, Patty, forgive me for I, I don't mean to. No, uh, <laughs> I welcome people pointing it out because it does have validity. It matters and language matters. Thank you. Uh, and so I will make those adjustments in the pressers for this. Oh, uh, good. Uh, so, uh, so originally you're from New York. Uh, joined the Marine Corps and then moved out to Oregon in 2006 to study political science at the U of O. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. You know, I, I lived in New York and also New Jersey. Um, and when I was moving f to Oregon, that was after living in Jersey City, New Jersey for six years, um, which is right outside of New York City. I worked for the New York Daily News and the New York Times. So I was spending a lot of time in New York City. Um, but uh, so New Jersey, New York area. And, uh, you know, I lived in New York and Brooklyn and also this other town called Nyack, New York, but also a, a couple, uh, many years in New Jersey. I have fondness for both places, much to the annoyance of those who are from there. Right. And anyone uh, that knows you and, and the more I get to know you, I know this is true, that your, your key interests are innovation, like we talked about technology, uh, politics. You and I have some spirited political discussions and agriculture. Is agriculture one of the main things that led you to Oregon? Maybe in a sense, I think what led me to Oregon was my wife and I were vacationing here and we were living in Jersey City. She was working for the New York Public Library, uh, one of the branches in Manhattan. So it was very, very concrete and urban. And we flew out to Montana, where she's from, from Great Falls, and drove to the Pacific and then drove south to Oregon. And it was beautiful. And part of that beauty is our wonderful agriculture food system here. Some of us are very spoiled, uh, but we have so many different types of crops grown here that if you go somewhere else, it's, it's not like that. Whereas here you can get like, you know, just dozens of different type of uh, different types of products off one farm. So the ag part is part of the overall beauty of Oregon. And I would say that that added to it. It was so darn different than New York. And my wife and I were like aching to like see green every day and and <laughs> you know, experience that. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, I, I'm born and raised in Oregon. And now that I'm starting to have the luxury of traveling a little bit, uh, you know, I just went to Ireland. We're going to be going to Boston soon. I've never been to the East Coast. But I'm starting to, to just be validated in my reasoning for staying here. It's a, I mean, Oregon is amazing. I could see myself moving to Ireland because it's basically Europe's Oregon. <laughs> but uh, so let's talk about the work you do. Uh, I, you know, when I first started talking to you, I'm like, so what are you? Are you a website designer, a web builder? And, and you're like, eh, you know, I don't I didn't study those things, but you're kind of self-taught on a lot of this stuff. And and 
and collaborative efforts with different people, namely Chris Styles is a is a partner of yours that you'll work with. Tell me what the partnership with him is is like, and uh, what what kind of work you you know you really do. One of the main things you noted in your bio is that you often are hired by private companies to maintain databases. So that's just one element, mm -hmm. but you can kind of elaborate on kind of what the work you do is and what the partnership with Chris Styles is all about. Sure. So Chris and I have been friends, I think, since 2015. And we met via Civic Tech uh, when I was doing the Run for Office project. Um, and then I, you know, often when you're doing those projects, you're talking to people from all over the country. And then I had found out that, oh, wow, this 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 developer who's working on this project and we're, we're talking about it is from Philomath. And so, you know, I like emailed him on the side. I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm down here in Springfield. Um, you know, we should get together for a beer and stuff. And then we found that we had common politics. And I often describe myself as, you know, as shorthand, it's accurate to say I'm Bernie Sanders Jr. And I, I like all his policies. And Chris is in the same boat. We're both really, you know, big fans of Bernie and kind of the progressive left. Um, so we had this interest in working on civic tech projects. And then as we talk further, you know, a year or two goes by and I found out that Chris grew up on an orchard, uh, in North Carolina, and, uh, he has around five acres in Flomith that he, you know, farms for his household and ducks and geese and chickens and dogs and all these other things. So he had an interest in like small ecosystems. And then it was, you know, like, well, why don't we build something like run for office, but instead it's for farms where you're entering an address. So Chris and I will work on professional things uh, where we are working on a project uh, for someone right now. We're like bidding on a project for um, uh, a government in Africa that wants to digitize its 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 farmer database. And that's really cool, right? When we're probably one of a handful of uh, companies and efforts, we're working with some other people to pitch in on that. So we, we do these projects for money. And then we also do things that we're interested in ourselves in wanting to build. And we build our own things and we hope they're commercial. And even if they're not commercial, we're usually learning through it. So it's kind of like, you know, the paid jobs finance the dream jobs and, you know, we're, we're probably lucky to do like 50, 50, you know, of, of work, you know, if it's a 40 hour week, 20 hours are working on projects where someone's paying you and 20 hours are organizing your own efforts. And I'm probably spread across like four projects of my own or, or someone else's where I'm like a key part of it. Yeah. Let's talk about run for office. So this is, you know, you've done a lot of different projects, but this is the one that probably was your launching pad. Is that correct? I mean, it, it was a big one, yeah. at least at least one that everyone can comprehend. You know, that's yep. there's there's a lot of stuff you do that we're going to talk about today. Like we're going to get into uh, blockchain technology to help farmers tracking crops and stuff like that. That gets pretty technical. But run for office. You know, explain to us basically what the 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 you know the website's all about. It, you know, it's pretty simple. I mean, if someone wants to run for office, they can go to this website and they can learn and you can speak on it. Yeah, well, I, I love to talk about it and it's great to talk about it with you because it's a project that was born of such local roots. So in Oregon, in our beloved Oregon, 
we are one of the few states that does vote by mail, right? Like universally. Now everyone's voting by mail. They're opting into it. But forever we've had that. So that gives us this unique opportunity to have our ballots. And what I started doing was like photocopying my ballot for, you know, a couple of election cycles. And I had, a, you know, I studied political science. So I had a degree in, in politics. I had interest in politics. Um, but I, I wasn't working in politics. I worked for Habitat for Humanity. I worked for the Springfield Museum. But I was looking at our ballots and I would notice a lot of uncontested positions as well as positions where no one filed at all. And really pivotally, I would look at our area, Springfield and Eugene, and we have a ton of activism, right? We've got a university right near us, a lot of other schools, um, and we're you know, the second biggest community in our state. So there's a lot of reasons that people end up here with different points of view and they speak to them. And I, and I was just had to think, why are we not in these positions um, if we want to make this difference politically, you know, protesting is usually a reactionary movement. It's, it's not proactive where you're kind of setting the terms. Right. And I kind of wondered like, why aren't we more proactive? Why aren't we in these positions like uh, soil and water district, um, which has elected members and, and proactively looking for like regenerative agriculture solutions and protecting our watershed, which some of them do and other ones we want them to do more rigorously. So from that, from that observation, we have a lot of interest in politics, but, but there's a lot of uncontested seats and these opportunities. I thought that maybe what was missing was information and it led me to why isn't it easy to enter your address, see what you can run for and how to get on the ballot. And that's what run for office is. And it initially started with a, a project called Ballot Path, uh, a place called the Sunlight Foundation. Gave me a $10,000 grant, which was awesome because I wrote about it and, and sent it in under their deadlines. And they had awarded me money. And then I had connected with Portland State University, who said they had uh, computer science students that were looking for a project. And so then I funded the research with the $10,000 grant and built a pretty great database for Oregon elected office holders and how to get on the ballot. And that was the prototype. Uh, after working with PSU, um, there was people in, at Berkeley at Cal that were interested in doing one for California. Uh, so I agreed happily to work with them, uh, another set of students on that. And while I was doing that, I was approached by a private company to be hired and build that out with them. And, you know, I kind of made sure that our priorities were in line, that the information would be free and available. And they said yes. And, and that was it. And then it became this project called runforoffice.org. It might be like the biggest political database um, uh, in the United States, I mean, it, it has all the school board seats, county level seats, a lot of the cities, of course, state legislatures, congressional seats, Senate. You know, we didn't have the president uh, on there. And that was a bit of probably my mistake because I was kind of like, oh, people are too over-focused on president and everything up the, up the political ladder. 
And so we're, we're purposely not going to have it on there. But that was a mistake because I, I would get a lot of questions. And either way, you should <laughs> try to meet your audience with what they want. Uh, and I could have done that, but we didn't. Um, but it's still a really good project. I'm very, very proud of it. After working on it for four years, I left on great terms with my former coworkers and still keep in touch with them and talk about political science and data stuff. So is it okay? So now the president's not listed. Now is it more designed for somebody that wants to run, or can it also be used by somebody that wants to learn about that process? Like if you wanted to be like, what steps do you have to do? I mean, the 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 goal of the website. So okay, so let's break it down for the simpletons like myself, if you were to like to be like, I want to run for office and you go to this website, that's who it's geared towards. Correct. Is like the people that want to want to learn what does that process look like? But do you, so do you have to go thoroughly into the steps of doing it or is it more just information? Because I guess what I'm asking is if somebody was like, I don't really want to run, but I I do want to learn more about the process. Can you really learn a lot from that website or is it more geared towards somebody that's like, I need the tools to start to, take, you know, check things off the list of the steps to, to actually make this, the wheels get in motion. Well, the site, you know, we, we should have it organized so that it's really easy to find. Uh, but the answer is both, you know, you can find out the information on how to get on the ballot, you know, and, and often, or almost all the times it's in a three-step process. Why? Because that was our internal decision to make everything a three-step process. Uh, because we just found when we did five or six steps, people would be like, oh, this stinks. You know, sure. It's got to be simpler. So even sometimes we would combine two steps in one and it would look like three steps. It was really, or, but it was really more. But the, so you would find the practical set of like, hey, you have to go to Lane County um, clerk's office and file your paperwork and information like that in this specific window. And then on top of that, um, my company and I was part of this effort put together maybe like nine hours of, of video on how to run for office and everything from like website building to understanding your winning vote total, which is, you know, looking at the previous um, winner of an election and then adding a couple percentage points so that you create a margin and, and, you know, get into a seat. But really pretty technical stuff, you know, how to use a voter file, which identifies the, the political parties that your neighbors and people you're campaigning to. So really, really technical stuff. Um, and, and that site has both of them. It has your practical thing on how to get on the Springfield school board. And then if you were to continue to click, uh, you'll end up at the site nation builder. They sell political software. They're interested in selling their political software, but we also made freely available. I would say like a masterclass, uh, type tool that you can learn how to run for office and, and don't take it from me. The people that were really writing that thing were, people that spent a lot of time in the field and and had worked their way up to presidential campaigns and they they know what they're talking about yeah a lot of times for me if i have a question you know i'm a precinct committee person i think you are also a precinct committee person in lane county for the democratic party of lane county so if i have a question on how to run for office i just i just send a messenger message to chris wig (laughs) is my strategy and this is the thing the political parties are designed to help educate each other on on creating a bigger umbrella that's really a lot of it and there's more to it than that but but there's a lot of we need candidates that are thinking outside the box that have across the aisle reach 
that are not a Democrat or Republican. We need we there's so we need to change the way that we vote. You know, we need to get into ranked choice voting and open primaries and so much. We can have a conversation for days about that kind of stuff. But I really believe that the only way that we're going to get out, you know, through this murkiness of division is by bringing people that actually listen to both sides and, and take their own little snippets from it and also have innovative, new forward thinking ideas. But anyone that wants to run for office, I really think that you're going to love this tool. Runforoffice.org. It's it's an incredible tool and and I don't know people are always asking me when are you going to run and I'm like no 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 I don't think I'm <laughs> no I mean I I had dreams of it at one point my my partner Dana she's like you're not running for city council or anything like that she, she's very vehemently opposed to it but I do think that I I can do my part by having this podcast and bringing and elevating voices yeah well uh, yes uh, I I don't know I think like uh, people should stay open to the consideration of running for office. And, and then just to, to tack all the way back. Yeah. It's, it's easy for us. Cause you know, some like, well, we both are, we're friends with Chris Wig, so we can just ping him and ask him a question. And so my site is, or our site, the site that I built with a lot of other great people that's meant for when maybe you just don't know anyone yeah. and you're in freaking cottage Grove, well, Cottage Grove is pretty big, but yeah, so you're an unincorporated Lane County kidding. and you don't know anyone sure. and, and you're a recent like Democrat or say unaffiliated, whatever it is, and you don't feel like you have that resource. It really fills a gap that I think our government should cover. And then if the government doesn't, you know, our beloved Democratic Party should cover and, and no one was doing it. So it was like, oh, I'll I'll help to make an address searchable database of elected offices and <laughs> that was that was that yeah so that's no knock on everyone that's like no, hey, that's how it's a lot of happened. work it's a lot there, of work there's... and and why would someone invest their time if they don't know anything about you or maybe if they think you're new to the you know what i mean so i think it's why would the party necessarily invest yeah. their time and their resources because it takes a lot of resources to win elections so they're like let's go with the things we know so but again there's many reasons that you could use this tool. You know, you don't, you could be new to an area, you could be new to the political game or, you know, yeah. or you could be sharper on your, on your skills and knowledge. And you just need like that reinforcement of a quick strategy, you know, of, of how things work and, 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 and all in one little box. I mean, it's, it's pretty well contained. It's pretty awesome. Oh, I'm watching a lot of, of you. yeah, I'm watching a lot of, uh, Local people run for office. I want to give a shout out to like an Anthony Reed. He ran for the school board. Oh, yeah. He was unsuccessful. But Anthony Reed is very different in the way that he navigates the political landscape. And he's he's very outside the box. And he, I think it's amazing. And he's going to hold public office in Springfield. There's no question in my mind. And he's relentless. And I guarantee he used this tool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, well, I happily knock doors for Anthony yeah. and I will happily do it again. Um, great candidate person and member of our community. And he asks tough questions and he's also really, really funny. His kids are great. And he's, he's a heck of a guy. Well, and one of my best friends at this point, which is funny because we met during the pandemic is Thomas Yuda and Thomas mm -hmm. ran for mayor of Eugene and, and he, got second place like that's yep. not that's not small you know that yeah he didn't get enough to go to the runoff because uh, in our setup or in Eugene setup I live in Springfield but uh, yep. if you get 51 percent in the primary then the game over you know but man he, he he had a really 
awesome campaign and the future is bright for him and he might I, be you know i and, agree yeah uh, and and eugene is in some ways tougher because it's it's the county seat and there's a lot of attention and i think in a lot of those cities often not all the time but often um incumbents hold even greater sway and so Thomas had an uphill battle and kudos. It was big field and to get second was really admirable. I don't know. I, 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 I just in retrospect, I'm like, oh, wow. I wonder what his campaign was like donation wise and tool wise, what he was using and stuff to to reach that, because that's that's a great number, um, you know, against Lucy Venice, who's yeah. uh, you know, I'll have to ask incumbent. him. I'll have to ask him. I, Thomas and I were talking the other day about, and I hope this is okay that I talk about it. It's kind of off the record, but, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, Sean Van Gordon, Mayor Sean Van Gordon from Springfield has, has used me, uh, as, as, uh, a, a mouthpiece to where he'll reach out and be like, Hey, do you want to cover this topic? And I love that. And I'm honored to be part of the conversation. Last week, I had a, uh, uh, woman that works with the Main Street Safety Project. For the basically, they're going to be redoing Main Street in Springfield to make it safer for pedestrians. Yeah, and and it was technical and wonky, but it was it was really interesting, and I learned a lot. But I just really like being included in the conversation. And Thomas and I were talking about how he really sees himself, even if he doesn't hold office of mayor. He's like, maybe I can start to be that resource for Lucy, you know, or whoever's in the, you know, in that bubble or whatnot i think he's he's going to run for city council but we'll see so mm -hmm. so now agriculture we're going to change gears maybe we'll bounce back to politics because we could talk for 10 hours you and i about politics <laughs> but agriculture is something that you're extremely passionate about there's a lot of different areas but this is when i started talking to you cutting your hair I'm like what kind of websites do you do this is the first one you told me about Ironic mm -hmm. ironically i learned about all the farms.com before I learned about runforoffice.org, or at least your connection to it. Mm -hmm. So tell me uh, about all the farms.com. And then in the literature that I've read, you know, the, the write-ups that you've had in the paper and stuff like that, is there still a paper? No, no, but uh, <laughs> uh, this website uses blockchain technology to help farmers track crops. And so there's a kind of a connection to like the crypto world. So kind of explain that to me as if I'm an idiot, because I am. Oh gosh! Well, me too. I consider myself part in there. You know the so run for office and all the farms are related in the sense where with run for office I was like, darn, it's hard to know what your local offices that you can run for are. And then you know after working on that for four years, my mind wandered and I was interested in farms and I thought the same thing. Wow, why don't I know what all my local Farm options are, my wife is very conscientious with her diet. She's vegan, and except for ice cream. <laughs> Same with my son. I, I'm not, but we're both, we were both had this interest in the local food system. Of course, it helped that, that my friend Chris Stiles was also interested in answering that question. And even being able to understand it, say, in Eugene, because we've got some cool resources here, and like Willamette Valley Food Coalition, and they've got good tools too. But... I didn't see something that was dynamic and that would include everything. And also that would enable um, self-inclusion from outside areas. So, you know, Lake County and Eastern Oregon. Uh, so to that end, uh, Chris and I and our good friend, Whitney Farrell, who 
then um, had less and less time. So she kind of, uh, you know, stopped helping us, <laughs> but she's still really awesome. But it was really the three of us that got all the farms off the ground. And, and that was creating a tool that allowed people to enter their address, see what their local farms are, and then see where those products were sold. And, and like, there's no link to buy them off our farm for better or worse. So I'm sorry that it is more difficult and you might have to like, it might say, you know, sold at, uh, at market of choice. And then you have to go ahead and go to market of choice. We don't have the live link in there, but we also don't take any cut of any transactions. And I'm kind of like, Hey, this tool is like run for office. It's meant to raise hell a little bit. And you know what, if you really like uh, couples farm strawberries and they're not being carried at Whole Foods, Market of Choice, Capella's, Sundance, wherever you're shopping at, go tell them, carry this, because there's a lot of tension in there. And I'm a big advocate for small farms. And that, that automatically puts my efforts at odds with the status quo, quo supply chain. And, and you know, that's just a, a fight that I am pitched in. It's not very contentious, but I see a very automatic tension in consumers wanting to buy more local, more concerned with farming practices and the way that we get most of our food from a few mega farms in the Central Valley of California and Yuma, Arizona. Um, look, there's natural tension right there and I'm in the thick of it. And that's where yeah. I hang out and work on a lot of projects. It, there's so much discussion right now about why people aren't going to work and why we can't get Christmas presents this year. And why, and, and no one, not no one, but the average American, including myself, have very little understanding of how it all works. You know, you know, like when you say supply chain, to me, a lot of times when people say that, you, of course, I know you know what you're talking about. But when people are like, oh, the supply chain, I don't think people even know what that means, <laughs> you know, you know, so a lot of times. So I think that these tools are so useful because once you start to uncover, uh, you know, the how everything's connected, it starts to really make sense. It's, you know, I mean, it's it's so vast the, the, the way that our whole system is is created and set up, but it's not something that we can't digest. And I just think these tools are really useful run for office, all the farms, you know, I think they're both really cool because it makes it to where it levels the playing field a little bit, where it, where it kind of makes people aware of that, that this is the structure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, a, you know, so the supply chain, right? Like all people have to understand is you want to have, if you really want to know and shorten your supply chain, well, go down to the Lane County farmer's market, or the Riverbend uh, for uh, uh, food stand. I think it's food for Lane County, right? Like that'll shorten your supply chain. Last night, my wife was like, hey, or two nights ago, I made some chili. And my wife was like, oh, we have to throw out a bunch of onions because there's a salmonella recall. And that's real. Right now, you were like the vast majority of us were told to throw out our onions. That is so wasteful. And there's so many onions growing around us. And you would not have that concern or have to throw out your onions. We did uh, because we get a CSA, but we had bought onions from Fred Meyer and, you know, you're, you're throwing them away. So supply chain, like you want a short supply chain, let it be you driving to uh, Lane County Farmer's Market, go to Hens's Farm up in Junction City. They're friends of mine. Go to my brother's uh, farm down in Cresswell where, where my friend, 
you know, they've got bison down there and all sorts of other things. Wow. And it's not far away. Yeah, they're they're super cool. But that's a short supply chain, right? Sure. And and you don't have anything to worry about with that. And I think that that's not just in food. I think that it's really important with art. You know that when we have uh, art walks in downtown Eugene or in the Wit, you know, in the Whitaker district, and then musicians, you know, there's so many tools nowadays where you can buy directly from the artist or you can support your artist or you can buy a t-shirt or whatever you do that really helps them. And, and you do, you go direct, you know, I think that's cool. So on all the farms.com, is there, is there information on if each farm has direct to consumer type stuff? So you had mentioned that it'll say like where it's available, but does it also let you know if you can go directly to them or would you then have to just call them directly and find out? Oh yeah. You can, you can filter for that um, on our site and uh, it'll say, you know, it will even show you the page where you can go to buy directly from them Oh wow! Um, on the site. So yeah, you'll be able to see that um, on our site as it is right now. That's cool. And I think that's really neat because like you said, you want to shorten the supply chain, go directly to the people creating the product. So uh, let's talk about a couple of different groups that you're involved with. One of them is uh, a group organized to bring broadband internet to rural communities. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So that is a, a nonprofit called Picasa. It's um, really led by a trio of people. One of them is an Oregonian. That's how I got pulled into it. Uh, Peter Harder, who's up in uh, around Portland. And then uh, two other colleagues of mine, Ed Engel, who worked for Microsoft Farm Beats for a long time, was interested in agriculture. And another gentleman named Garland McCoy, who's a longtime um, kind of international uh, um, advocate for broadband and, and Wi-Fi. Um, so there, the effort behind Picasa, and this ties into a wonderful local company with Emerald Broadband, um, who, who's, and they know this struggle for real. Emerald Broadband is our local, one of our local ISP providers. I am a huge fan of theirs. They do the hard work in getting broadband to rural communities and farming areas. Uh, so they do it on a very local, tangible level. And Picasa is this effort, uh, this nonprofit. And we go and try to uh, present materials that, that heighten the awareness of specifically what communities need broadband access. So the reality is this. We've all seen T-Mobile and Verizon commercials, and they show a map of the United States, and it's all colored. And they go, we've got all this Wi-Fi, and it's available here. Well, you go talk to your, your people in your rural communities and farmers, and they're like, I don't know what the heck these people are talking about. We're colored in red, like they're covered here, and it's not covered. And it's not, yeah. So, it's called um, the, the process is actually called ground truthing. And that's when you're going to say Stutz farms and, and uh, from there, we're looking at your actual broadband and it's verifiable. So there's an app that the FCC created that can test your broadband results. Um, and so that's what that project is. And, and right now we're working with uh, it's, it's me. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like an add on to Picasa. Um, I don't get paid from them. We just all work together on this effort. And we work with Oregon State University computer science students on a year-long project where we're building out a map and we're taking the actual information of people that are using a, a clone of the SEC 
um, broadband tool, and then it, it brings that live data to the map. So you could say, look, Verizon, you're saying these people have broadband. Well, we are getting an app reading at this latitude longitude that is covered here, and, and it's we're, we're at odds. What What's going on? Because yeah. uh, a lot of people are left behind. For for Picasa, that nonprofit, they're really into precision agriculture. That's what brings them to the space. But there's all sorts of other things. There's telehealth, right? There's so many uh, pregnant women that yeah. are in rural areas that depend upon telehealth. There's a whole host of reasons. It's not just uh, agriculture, even though that's in our title, but reasons that we that we need to get that. And you know, Matt Sayer is also a really big local advocate, great Springfield person. Yeah, um, reach out it, to but... him about him getting him on the show. I know. So my stepson, his dad lives in up the McKenzie, and I mean during the pandemic, he was doing school. He goes to Lane, and right now he's finishing up, going to be at OSU next year. And uh, and during the pandemic, uh, he he bounces back and forth between our house and his dad's house when we when you know just for different reasons. And, mm -hmm. and so sometimes it's like, you need to go for a while. You need to go somewhere else. So he went up to his dad's house and in the McKinsey, there's a, a set of issues of why internet is questionable because of the fire for one, mm -hmm. but also just, it wasn't great to begin with. The fire actually might lead to it being better, <laughs> you know, the internet, because it's a new yes. setup on, I mean, there's, there's, uh, pros and cons to tragedy, you know, things, things in the aftermath are addressed sometimes that were neglected for, for a long time. So there is that there's silver linings, I should say, but, yeah. but for him, he was having a really difficult time, you know, in a, in a rural setting doing his schoolwork remotely. And he, that's just one story that I see directly. And it, and he was just like, you know, we, we were fighting with him at the time he was being a little shithead. And so we're like, <laughs> you need to go stay with your dad for a while. And just needed to change the scenery. And he did great when he went and changed, you know, came back and he was a better person. Sure. <laughs> but he was like, mom, I got to come home. I can't do my, so my Spanish assignment. And we're like, all right, just, just sit in your room and be, be decent, you know? But I, I mean, that's the, th it's a, it's a thing we deal with nowadays. So, yeah. So it's, and, and I think imagine that, not having that resource. Yeah. So I think that's really cool that we're, we're doing that. And again, this is why I love what you do. The projects that you're involved with is that it's about leveling the playing field. You know, it's about making sure that everyone has the resources that they need. So now there's another one, ag check, and this is the hemp industry. Is that correct? Is that the one that you wanted to talk on? Um, yeah, we, we can, you know, we, I did a, a project with OSU, another year long project, and it had a, um, it, it had a, a, a partner uh, company, an actual farm, uh, a hemp seed farm, and OSU has a hemp center, and we developed a, a blockchain um, product that could track hemp seeds. And the reason for that was hemp seeds were so expensive, um, super expensive compared to other seed. And the genetics in hemp seed were really, really important. It was important to have feminized hemp for most purposes because they're usually, they were a lot of times we're growing for CBD and, and you're going to want these buds that produce this CBD. Um, and then the other reason was if you grow hemp and it's above uh, 0.3% THC, it's considered hot. And that means it's illegal and you could waste a whole lot of time, money and all those other things. So it made a lot of sense to use uh, a blockchain tool for seeds so that people could under uh, people could verify certifications um, that were related to a specific batch. 
Um, and, and they were just more interested in, in that stuff. So yeah, we, we did that. That was a lot of fun. I think the other one, uh, though that, that I want to talk about, let's see, was, uh, there was Picasso and then the other nonprofit, or uh, uh, effort that I get into, let me see. Sorry, Patty. Oh no, you're good. I, yeah. We, I'm, I'm, I'm remembering now I, I mentioned the wrong one. Let me see in your notes. It was uh, oh regen one regen one regen yeah. one. Yeah, well, let me give these guys some <laughs> airtime because I really love their work and 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 there's an or, there's some organ connections in that. So regen one is something else uh, that Chris Styles and I are part of. They're they're another nonprofit. Their goal is to move conventional farms to regenerative agriculture. Regenerative agriculture is a very fuzzy term, but it's also a very um, uh, something that's really on the rise. Regenerative agriculture means the soil being in better condition when harvesting than when you started. So it's like strengthening root systems, which prevents water runoff, uh, flooding. It, it, it keeps more carbon in the ground, which is so important with our, our, our greenhouse gases. So I, I work with Regen One, Chris and I, and we're talking about repurposing the all the farms tool or maybe cloning it so that people can find uh, their specific farms better. Really, Chris and I are, are just totally up for helping them on making tech solutions for that nonprofit. Um, you know, maybe in January we should. I, I'm hoping to have two projects that we launch at a conference with Regen One, one of them being this regenerative farm finder for their tool. And another one is matching farmers up with compost, which is tremendously helpful in, um, in farming uh, for regenerative ag purposes. So both those things. So yeah, Chris and I dedicate a lot of time to that. Uh, some of it is paid and or, or you're seeking contracts, but you know, the vast majority of the time you're, it's unpaid efforts. It's pretty great, the work you're doing. I'm, I'm pretty... Uh... Pretty stoked to learn more about it, and you're always welcome on the show if you've got anything you'd always you'd want to talk about. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. I want to talk a little bit before we get out of here about some of the changes to the podcast. I'm gonna probably if you're listening to this, then you already know this that I'm not gonna be doing as much video. You know, it's just too time consuming. The podcast originally was created to be audio, was to be listened to. So I'll do little teasers and different things on, on YouTube, but I'm going to really focus on doing this audio. So if you're listening, what really helps me is if you subscribe to, you know, wherever you listen to the podcast, Spotify, Apple podcasts. I think now you can even listen to the podcast directly on Facebook, which we should all make a mass exodus from Facebook soon. Cause it's, it's just getting worse and worse and it's really destroyed the world. But, uh, you know, definitely subscribe to wherever you listen to the podcast. It really helps me a lot. And podcasts are such a cool thing. And I think I wanted to segue into talking to you about two people that are making national, just massive global headlines uh, is Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle. <laughs> you know, and this is a weird segue, but Joe Rogan is the master of podcasts, of course. And I think that podcasts are great, but I think that people also have to understand that my intention or my thought on the podcast is that what it does is it allows it allows people to be a fly on the wall in conversations with individuals that know a little bit more about stuff. But what it does is it should inspire us individually to do our own research on stuff. So 
whatever that means. But the I, this is weird how I, I'm grouping these two together, but the Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle's of the world are getting so much attention and people are expecting them to be perfect. And there's just no way. I mean, doing my podcast, I've learned, like, I'm like, every time I have guests like you on, it re- makes me realize how less, how much less I know. And, and you know, and, and, but, but again, it's a, it's a really useful tool, but I wanted to get your, t- your take on, on the platform more or less. Like, we'll talk about Joe Rogan first. You had mentioned that you had listened to the, to the long form interview with Sanjay Gupta. I'm re I haven't listened. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I, I have only seen comments in support, I guess on not even in support of Joe Rogan. Cause I don't think Joe Rogan had an, a goal with that episode. Tell me about it a little bit. Tell me what your takeaway was. Uh, so with Joe and Sanjay Gupta. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a great interview. I mean, it was a long one, um, but I thought it was a great interview because usually the, some of the positives, and there's negatives about Joe Rogan, but one of the positives is it's similar to this where we can, this, this conversation can be a river and we don't necessarily know where it's going to go, right? Like, and it, and it can go places. And so I appreciate that aspect. And then it was great to listen to because they are agreeing on 80, 90% of things. 80, like uh, Broadly, they're agreeing. And then some of the stuff there, they're not agreeing on. But I, so, and then of course, the, the big headlines from that was ivermectin, right? Like it's, it's in everyone's brain. And uh, Sanjay Gupta on the show talked with Joe about that. And Joe was really upset with CNN uh, for leading a lot with saying Joe Rogan is taking ivermectin, horse dewormer. And the fact of the matter, and, and this is something that your audience can verify and we can all talk more about, but ivermectin has been used in a lot of places and prescribed for humans under that. And it's also prescribed for horses. And, you know, my, I had to give my dog Benadryl the other day because his allergies were up. And, right. And, right? And, and so there's a lot of cross uses. And I think like that whole thing with, with people should listen to it because they are cordial and mutual admirers, I would go so far to say. And if we're going to respect... Uh, you know, Sanjay Gupta, I believe, is a, a neuroscientist or brain surgeon. Right. <laughs> he does right. stuff like that. If we're going to accept that he's smart and we think he's got good judgment, well, he considers him, Rogan, a, a colleague and a friend and, and worthy of conversing with. And I think that's uh, admirable in both their things. We know that they're coming from different spots. Right. Absolutely. Right. And, and they have a three hour really great conversation. I think it's really important for someone like Sanjay Gupta to go on a show like that i mean and it's very different but i mean bernie sanders when he went on joe rogan they're very i'm I'm not comparing they're totally different worlds but uh that was a really great episode because it in it it reached an audience that was like wait a minute you know this is different than what i thought and so a lot of times if we only read the headlines and i'll be the first to admit when it comes to ivermectin especially i'm somebody that hasn't had a lot of time to really digest all there is to know about that. And I basically have had, I've caught myself having strong opinions on something I really don't know a lot about. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh yeah, you shouldn't be taking that. And then you think about how it's framed. I'm not in support of it. I'm not making a statement on one way or the other. I'm just saying 
that I've definitely, I will be the first to admit that I have caught myself being one of those people that watches a headline or watches the way that they, the narrative is spread and you get caught up in that kind of rhetoric, Absolutely. you know, and I, I, I am million times guilty. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm and doing that myself. I just think it's important for people to know, like a guy like Joe Rogan is, is pretty, pretty, it's, it's like he has a huge platform. So what people want is for him to be perfect. And I'm not defending it. I'm just saying the problem is not Joe Rogan. The problem is that people look to Joe Rogan to be the the spokesperson for their goals, <laughs> you know, and it's like they create this person that he is, and then they get mad at him for being that person that they've created or someone else does. Yeah. I mean, we should listen to a lot of different voices. Yeah. And, and yeah. there's no better feeling then uh so so please i now like i listen i i subscribe to joe's podcast i subscribe to your podcast now the truth is with all podcasts i listen to like the first 10 minutes and if i'm in i'm in right and i don't know like maybe one out of every five to ten uh like of joe's podcast do i even listen to the end it's very it's pretty rare sanjay right. gupta was an exception and and their their conversation was great because they're talking about a lot of stuff that's interesting and you know like uh joe likes to talk about like fringe medicine i'm not afraid to say that right like he talks about funky stuff and he's into his own things and so it's great to hear him his brain gets to grow getting pushed back from sanjay and vice versa and and we should all have that my mom is a fox news republican and i am most most hardly not but I, you know, I love my mom and my brain grows when I talk to her. Right. Most of the times we're like, oh, you're, you're just going to get dumber, you know, listening to whatever side we don't like talk. But I don't know, like a lot of the times it's, it's the framing of stuff and how it's presented. Yeah. That's, that's going to determine that. People have to be careful because you got to follow the money. Cause I know that there was this rise, oh, yeah. there was this rise on like the anti-establishment YouTuber, uh, movement, you know, with with J Jordan Peterson's and uh, Ben Shapiro's and, you know, uh, what what is his name? Dave Rubin. And you start mm -hmm. to see that these people are funded by political backing, you know, like yeah. Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin is a prime example where, you know, he's a basically he's a homosexual conservative. And so it's they're basically trying to discredit anybody on the left. This is kind of leads into the Dave Chappelle conversation where it's like, uh, just because you are something doesn't mean you believe something like if you're if you're a trans person, you might be conservative. That exists. Look at Caitlyn. Mm -hmm. Caitlyn Jenner is, is the most notable example. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, but Dave Rubin, I, I think it's it's pretty clear if you actually do some research on it, that that dude is like his viewpoints have changed as money has presented itself. Yeah. And I, I have my suspicions on Joe Rogan as well. It's Alex Jones effect. Alex Jones at one point was really was really spreading this thing about uh, unity, not unity, so to speak, like a Eugene unity. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but he was talking about it doesn't matter who it is. Like, let's stand up against the elite. And it's gotten to the point now where it's like, dude, you are just a spokesperson for like the far, far right, and that that's it. And so it's interesting how people will change over time. But I do believe that we as adults are qualified to listen to people that we disagree with and be like, that's nonsense. And, and sometimes the argument's like, let's not give them a platform, but it's like, sometimes you have to digest it so that you actually can deal with, with, uh, you know, the debate. 
Cause there's going to be people that are very inspired by it and you have to be prepared on how to talk to them. So yeah. it's, it's a, cha- it's a challenge. Well, Jim couples, I appreciate you so much. Uh, for what for the work that you do, I'm gonna leave a link in the show notes for runforoffice.org and allthefarms.com. There's way too many things that we mentioned, too many different uh, websites for me to link all of them because it would just get too confusing. But there's a lot of great work that you're doing, and so I look forward to learning more about each project. But anybody listening, runforoffice.org is an awesome tool if you'd like to to you know put your name in the hat and run for an office in Oregon or, or nationwide, uh, big or small, it does cover the full, whole country now. Is that, is that correct? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. It's got every school board seat in the country. And that was, uh, that was a real milestone. We were proud to pass because that's kind of generally considered the start of the political ladder, you know, in shorthand, that's, that's usually what people think that are serving on a board. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sure is national and, and, if anyone has any questions, they're always welcome to contact me directly, and I'll probably add a bunch of stuff in our thing. Yeah, Patty, we could talk for hours. We yeah, I'll definitely have you back version. on. I'm, I'd like to have you on uh, to do a political recap. Uh, the next election cycle would be Ooh. really fun because you and I have have uh, fun dialogue on that kind of stuff, and I think that we're not afraid to to ruffle feathers. You know, I hate it when people say that, but because it's like, oh, you badass, you know, Rick. I'm looking at you, Rick Dancer. Anyway, anyway, anyways, uh, we're gonna get out of here. I'm gonna play a song from a local hip hop artist. He's more than a hip hop artist. He's a he's a interesting dude. He's gonna be on the show next week, and he's got a new album called Empires Die and Life Evolves. Uh, and so, yeah, tune in next week for a fun little Halloween episode, talking about his his long project that's got like what 28 songs it's pretty wild so yeah so jim couples thank you very much i'm gonna end this with a song this is celebrate the liberation by plato Time to awaken sacred, noble, weighted life we're saving, breaking out the matrix through imagination, inspiration, innovation in this nation. Be my proclamation. We cannot survive on the nine to five when misraising our kids and robbed of our drive. So we don't wanna survive no more. Now we wanna thrive, cause this paid on the first broke by the third shit. You know it is absurd. We rise above it like the birds going garbage to glory. We write in a new story. And the more we believe, then the more it comes true. So this is celebration for our liberation. I wouldn't want to be alive at any other time to redesign and realign with the stars, with the heart. Yo, I know that it's hard to make the transition. So we go left step, right step, one step at a time. It's how we climb to the top of the mountain. I know it's hard to keep on climbing. We got to keep on climbing. The sun up there is shining. We got to keep on climbing until we see the view peer clearly through the truth that is what we gonna do tell the oppressor man no more we will pray for a soul as we take back control peacefully either that or either we be bringing back the guillotines to these gully streets because we tried to come in peace with tear gas shot by rubber bullets in the kidneys we all lost the jobs from this quarantine might as well reclaim the streets because we need some relief our hearts are filled with grief from watching family be murdered by police we got no hope for no change coming from a vote we're told to go back to punching the clock like a punchline to a fucking joke yo the status quo it has to go the system won't save us
flavors It was written to its flavors Tax dollars as payments to the state of surveillance So the only solution is a revolution But I don't wanna be a part of the movement If I can't dance to no music So this is celebration What for our liberation What this is celebration What for our liberation What this is celebration What for 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 liberation What this is celebration What